welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, Dale, uh, thanks for meeting with me and uh, just l- looking forward to getting to know you better and having this conversation. And just uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Pleasure to be here. Um, always look forward to a nice conversation, chance to meet somebody new myself. Okay, cool. Um, you're an author of the book, and the book is titled um, How Long, O Lord? And it's um, a book, it seemed like it was kind of a devotional type of book, um, written in like short chapters, um, geared towards someone who's going through unemployment. Is it how you would describe it? Yes, uh, it's a devotional book. Um, chapters are short, but it's not only written for the person who's unemployed, but it's also written for those that love that person, that that don't often understand what that person that they love is going through. So it's a glimpse inside of that unemployment journey, not just for the person who's going through it, to affirm that, gosh, the thoughts and feelings that I'm having are not unrealistic, they're normal. And if you're a spouse or a close family member, it's a chance to get the glimpse into what's happening to that person. Um, I can be a better spouse. I can be a better friend if I have a little bit better idea what you're going through. So this is written from your personal experience. I think you went through un- times of unemployment like two times. Is that correct? Yes, I was blessed with that opportunity twice. Okay. And and so um, what was your time of unemployment like um, as far as... Um, just what emotions came with it or um, how it impacted you? What things did you learn from it? I would say, first off, when somebody becomes unemployed, and I was no different, um, a couple things happen relatively quickly for you. Um, one of those is just this feeling of isolation and separation. So if I have a job and I work anywhere, whether it's a construction site or a plant or an office, Every day I go to work and I work in and around other people. So I say hello, good morning, I say goodbye at the end of the day, I have interactions during the day. When you become unemployed, all of a sudden you become alone. You're not at work anymore. You're probably spending time at your house. Um, You might be spending time at a library or at a coffee shop nearby. But you're spending a lot more time alone. And that's hard for many people because they're used to the personal interactions and they don't have that. And so they just really kind of feel alone and they feel a little bit lost. Many people go through some type of questioning. Why did this happen to me? Why, why not somebody else? Um, some will deal with anger. That wouldn't be an abnormal thing because the job was taken from you. And the numbers that this happens to are a lot bigger than most people think about, Will. So in this country... Every year for over two decades, over 20 million people have had a job taken away from them that they didn't want to lose. So that's through a job elimination, a layoff, a discharge. And it's been that way for over two decades. So it's actually averaged about 21.6 million people. That's the size of everybody in the state of Florida, just to give you a perspective. but nobody likes to talk about it. And so it's, it's a really difficult time for people. I think one of the other things that happens to a lot of us, we have a lot of identity tied up 
in our job. If you're in a party and you meet somebody new, one of the first questions they're going to ask you is, what do you do, Will? And your answer is going to be rarely, gee, I'm a father and I'm a husband and I'm a good friend. We usually lean with our professional side. So I would often say, hi, I'm Dale Cranecamp, and yeah, I'm the head of human resources for and name my organization. That's how we frame ourselves. So all of a sudden you take that away from someone. Uh, it's really hard to figure out, well, who really am I? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what is my life like? Right. So what, is, what are you doing now as far as employment? These days I'm doing some consulting. So I've uh, done consulting in the past. So I do human resource consulting for organizations. And then this book that I've written that I wanted to give back, I'm trying to find ways to get the word out to people so that they know about it, so that it meets the need of those that are going through it. Because when people go through unemployment, there's plenty of resources out there about how to write a resume. Uh, There's all sorts of resources about how do I interview, what type of questions might somebody ask me. Those are normal. But nobody talks about the emotional side that you go through, and it's actually the emotional side that's the more challenging side of the journey. And so... I want people to know there's something there to help them on that side. So were your times of unemployment, um, particularly times of growth, I mean, uh, more so than otherwise? Oh, gosh, yes. Oh, gosh, yes. Um, I tell people all the time, uh, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but I wouldn't trade it for any other experience. So through those opportunities of unemployment, You learn a lot about yourself, your relationship with your spouse, with your family. Um, You learn things that you would have never done because you had to learn them. And they are truly growth opportunities for you. It's just not the type of growth. We like the small incremental growth that we choose um, instead of it being chosen for us. Right. Yeah. Well, Dale, uh, just kind of turning a corner here and just talking a little bit about your, your personal life, um, where did you grow up and what was your growing up experience like? Um, grew up here in the St. Louis area, um, in the area of Kirkwood, Missouri, uh, which just happened to be where we're uh-huh. actually having this conversation today. So um, it is not far from uh, my house. We're probably less than two miles from where I grew up. Hmm. Um, I have three brothers. Uh, We went to uh, parochial grade school at Concordia Lutheran, which is uh, up the street, and then uh, Kirkwood High School. Okay. Um, Pretty typical. uh, Dad was a painter. Uh, Mom was a part-time bookkeeper. And so you were a a pretty typical um, lower end of the middle class. We didn't lack for things that we needed, but we didn't have a lot of extras either. Mm -hmm. You learned a, a lot that way. Um, anytime we did projects around the house, dad was uh, using us to help uh, do repairs or fix things up around the house because we didn't have the money to have somebody else come in and do it. So I learned a lot about um, home repair, things like that. Mm-hmm. So you went to parochial school. So I imagine your uh, family was pretty um, kind of serious about their Christian faith and so forth uh, to put you through religious school is that correct yeah very much so okay and uh, uh, Lutheran 
is my background. Okay. Um, yet I always say that we're Christians first. We just then happen to be Lutheran right. or Methodist or Presbyterian or whatever it is right. uh, from that standpoint. Okay. Did you have a conversion experience? I, I mean, from what I know of Lutheran uh, faith or tradition, um, you have like a confirmation type of thing. Um to confirm that you you're in the faith and know about the faith, is that how it is? Or um, besides that, did you have some kind of experience of where it all became a personal thing to you? Well, it's just always been a part of my life. So okay. I was baptized into the faith at a very young age uh, when I was an infant. Mm-hmm. I was confirmed in my faith back then when I was in eighth grade. Um, but God's just always been with me on this journey of life and always been a part of my life. So mm-hmm. I can never remember a time when that wasn't a situation. But I didn't have an experience as some would that uh, they would tell you I wasn't living in a in a way that God would like and then all of a sudden I came to know Christ and I changed everything in my life. I, I haven't had that. I've just always had him as part of my life, always along on the journey. And, and as everything else in relationships, there are times in my life I've been a lot closer to him and times when I probably thought I was doing just fine on my own, and, and those are the times when we, we distance ourselves. Um, God's not distanced himself from us, but we tend to distance ourselves from him when we think we can do it on our own. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that these journeys of unemployment, those are times in somebody's life when they get a lot closer to God, when you realize we don't control things. When you go through unemployment, you control nothing. We like to think that we do, I can't make an organization create a job that that matches my gifts. I can't make them interview me. I can't make them hire me. I can do things that influence the process, but at the end of the day, I control nothing. And that's really hard for a lot of people because we think we're in control. Mm -hmm. We're not. Mm -hmm. You know, um, in today's era with uh, the new atheist and skeptics and so forth, what gives you confidence in the Christian faith? Is there anything in particular that gives you confidence in the Christian faith that it's, you know, you're following something that's uh, true rather than just a kind of a man-made religion? I've just seen it happen, Will. I've just seen the blessings of God in my life and all that he's been able to do for me. And so I believe because of what I've seen in my own life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, are there a couple notable things that come to mind about you know what God has taught you through the years of your your life? Um, you know, I'm sure there's lots of different things, but anything in particular that um, that you know has made an impression on you? I would say for me, I'm one of those who's an achiever. Um, type A personality mm-hmm. and therefore those periods of unemployment were really hard mm-hmm. and that's when God said slow down Dale I've got this um, relax and when I listen to him and let go all sorts of things begin to happen for me and so it, it's been a learning of letting go and not trying to control everything mm-hmm. which, which is hard for type A people Um, achievers are like that Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I would say that's the one that probably sticks out to me the most. Mm -hmm. It like letting go is that just kind of like stepping back and waiting on God, or is that or something different? What do you mean by letting go? It means not trying to do it all myself. It's just saying, God, I can't do this without you. Mm -hmm. I need your help in this process, and I'll let you guide me through the process. Let me give you an example. The first time I was unemployed, I struggled for probably eight months, and I wasn't finding anything. So I'd been at the the top, the senior HR position in an organization that was one of the 30 largest in St. Louis. When you go look to duplicate that, those jobs aren't out there. There's only one in every organization. So finding a new opportunity was a struggle. I had a lot of friends who said to me, Dale, you you talked in the past about going into consulting and kind of being independent. Why don't you do that? And I would say, no, I don't think I'm ready to do that. I'm not an entrepreneur. And people continued to say, Dale, this could be the right opportunity. And finally, after wrestling with it for about eight months and a lot of prayer, I finally said, okay, God, if this is what you want me to do, Well, once I said yes, all sorts of things began to happen. All sorts of doors began to open that let me know, hey, that's the path God wanted me to be on at that particular point in time in my life. Hmm. And so work came to me instead of me having to seek work. Um, It was the type of work that was enjoyable and challenging. And financially, it was enough that we needed to handle everything that happened. Mm -hmm. So... When I stepped back and said, God, I can't do this. It's got to be where, where you take me. He opens the doors. Hmm. You know, something um, I kind of caught in all of that is that you were going through that in relationship with other people because you had people speaking into your life about, you know, what they observed and what, you know. Yeah. And um, that seems pretty uh, important to um rather than just to be going through life solo, you know, through your trials and everything, but to have people that you're talking to, people who are, you know, you're connected to throughout the whole process. Well, Will, we are built as human beings to be part of community. This Mm -hmm. uh, American independence of I can do it on my own is really a fallacy. Um, Mm -hmm. We're built to be part of community, and so... Um, God built us to be in marriage. Um, We have friends. We have family. Um, As I mentioned before, one of the most rewarding things about being at work is the people that we work with. And everybody needs a community. I can't imagine going through a process, uh, whether it's unemployment or a health issue um, or a relationship issue, um, without having friends and family to stay connected to. Mm -hmm. Because they're the people that are there to build you up. They know you. They know you well enough to know when you need a kick in the pants and when you need a little love. Those are important for a process in life. Mm -hmm. So um, do these relationships just come naturally to you or do you have certain things that you do in your life to make sure you're nourishing and growing relationships? Is it structured like that or is it just kind of um, just happens and, you know, it's just always been like that? Great question. I have always been a relational person. That's just within my DNA. Mm-hmm. But there's also an intentionality about it to try and make sure I'm staying in touch with people in some manner, way, shape, or form. 
Um, whether it's if I haven't seen somebody in a while, it's let's get together for a cup of coffee or let's go take in a baseball game or a basketball game or do something. I find ways to stay connected to and around people. Mm-hmm. And my wife appreciates and values that although she's the introvert in the relationship so i'm the extrovert she's the introvert Mm -hmm. so when we go to a party i'll probably see 30 people and she might sit and talk to four people Mm -hmm. well she's gone a lot deeper with those four people in her conversations than i have in 30 but i've touched base enough that i know where those 30 people are and what's going on in their life just in the time that i had so intentional but still natural that's just me Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um, you're, you're, you know, before we started recording, you were speaking about like um, kind of a transition you're going through um, with um, just, you know, and how you want to reach more people and where they're at. Um, is there... Um, was well, there any particular way that you would like to grow yourself in the next uh, year or few years or anything that you, you know, think God is doing in your life and directing you or growing you in some way? Yeah, he is. Uh, he's pushing me into the unknown to things that I don't know. So I know the space of corporate human resources like the back of my hand, as a friend of mine said. <laughs> You know, Dale, you could go find a job again, but you've done that for 40 years. What's new and different? So I'm stepping into the unknown. So what I know is over the next year, for me, I need to get out on the speaking circuit. So I need to do much more public speaking. Mm -hmm. And while I've done a lot of speaking as part of my corporate job, I know that I've got a lot of work to do on what it takes to become a very good speaker. So I know that if you and I had a conversation a year from now, I would hope to be able to tell you I have fine-tuned my craft and I'm a much better speaker than I am today when I do on a public. How do I tell the story that impacts people, that makes them want to lean in and listen? I can't tell you the number of times I've sat there when a speaker's presenting And you can tell they haven't reached everybody because everybody's looking at their phone. Mm -hmm. And then you go to somewhere where the speaker's connected with everybody and everybody's leaning in, trying to listen to every word. So I want to be that person. Mm -hmm. And I know it's going to take some time to do that. As I I broaden my areas of expertise and places where I want to go, I want to help organizations and individuals through the transitions in life that are the most difficult. And that means developing some skill sets that I haven't maybe developed in the right way and and learning more about some transitions that I don't know about today. So I had a conversation with a friend of mine who is retired from the military, early retired. And we talked about what it's like to come out of the military into civilian life. That's a huge transition in life. And we've just kind of batted around the idea, is there a book there, a devotional book similar to what I wrote before to help those people in transition? Well, that means learning a lot about the military because I don't know anything about it. I didn't serve. I didn't have that blessing. And so everywhere I go, I'm going to be digging deeper into subjects I haven't dealt with before. And I like that. I like learning. Uh, I don't like 
that feeling that we sometimes have when we're learning, which is we don't feel very competent. Mm -hmm. um, we get more competent the more we do, the more we grow, the more we learn. Um, but there's a point in time where we feel pretty incompetent. And uh, it's kind of like my wife and I switched to uh, streaming our TV instead of cable. Mm -hmm. I'm having to learn all sorts of new things about how do I find those things I used to know how to do easily. So, so technology changes our lives a lot. Yeah. Is there anything in particular that helps you enjoy life? Just the day in, day out type of thing? Any routine or disciplines or practices or anything like that? Um, time with my wife is important. Um, she is my, my anchor, my compass. She's everything to me. So she... She holds me fast when I'm trying to run too far in a different direction. She's the one that kind of helps guide me. And so my time with her is really important for enjoying life. And being able to do things and go places with her is important. Mm -hmm. We're blessed these days with uh, five grandchildren and we have a chance to see them. They live near us, which is really a pretty special way to enjoy life and give back. Um, so my time is spent really just trying to be with friends and family that that just charges me up more than anything yeah is there um like in that relationship with your wife is there a certain amount of time you're trying to spend together each week um like in communication or something or is it just you know whatever naturally happens is does it have to be a lot or so we do the we do the natural but i also work to try and make sure so some couples are very good at rigidly saying, okay, Wednesday night is our night out for dinner or something like that. We don't do that, mm -hmm. but yet I try and make sure that once a week we go out um, because the conversation in a table in a restaurant is deeper and richer when you're not watching the TV around the corner or something doesn't come up that makes you get up from the table. And so I, I usually try and make sure that we do that. And then we try and make sure that we get away every few months on a little getaway whether it's just a weekend away or a week away some vacation time is also important yeah yeah and, and looking at your book you know it came across that you had a good relationship with your wife and with your children and with friends and that's uh, that's, that's really good I mean it is it is a blessing it is yeah. an absolute blessing and my kids have been very supportive as I've gone through this um, mm -hmm. and uh yeah, it's been fun watching, watching them grow up. Mm -hmm. neat. But what about any books that have been influential in your own life? Is there anything um, in particular that really made a strong impression on you? Gosh, I read a lot, Will, and uh, so I'm always going back and forth between some type of business book to a book that is. Um, fiction escape I will tell you that uh, in the last year I reread one book and then read a second book by an author named Bob Buford so his first book that I read was called Halftime and Halftime is really a book to kind of help people who are wrestling with the first half of our career is primarily growing and building and learning uh, he calls it the success half of the equation and he says you always get to a point where you're saying is there something else 
Is there some way that I can have significance in life beyond just the successes of trying to make money, trying to rise the corporate ladder? And how does that impact us and what do we do? Wonderful book. Um, And then he wrote a second book, which was a book aimed at people who are in that second half of their life, who most of them have gone on to do something different than what they were doing. So it's all about the person who might have been in a position that said, I'm tired of corporate life. I'm going to go work for a not-for-profit. I'm going to start something. Uh, It was called Finishing Well. And the, the Bible never talks about retirement. So we're not really supposed to just work for 40 years and then go sit back and live off everything else for the next 20 years or however many years we have. We're always supposed to be doing and giving back to other people. And so finishing well was a a nice reminder of how important that is. And instead of just looking toward like most people, 65, 66 or 67 and saying, I'm done. It's what can I do for the next 20 plus years um, mm-hmm. as, as long as I have breath what can I be doing to give back to others mm-hmm. so I love both of those books you know now that you're independent it might be um, you know you're in charge of your, stru- your the structure of your day and your hours and everything more than you probably maybe used to be um, is it hard to keep um, a balance in like work and your personal life relationships and so forth or is there anything you do to, to make sure that you're, you know, you're keeping a, a balance with your work life and, um, and other things? Yeah, I think there's a, a, a challenge for people that, are, that have flexibility of schedule that you, you could, for me, I need routines, let me put it that way. So I have to have some rhythm to a schedule for me to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet one of the things that I wasn't good at doing in corporate life was adapting that schedule. So as an example, if um, one of my loves and hobbies is golf, and if someone would call me up on a Monday and say, hey, I got two buddies are going out to golf Friday afternoon, can you play with us? I'd say no, because I'd look at the schedule and I'd say there's too many meetings that I have to adjust or whatever. And... And now I'm at least a little bit more able to say, yeah, I can do that. So I'm better at giving myself permission to adjust in life. And I think often we don't give ourselves permission to adjust. Mm -hmm. And that's probably one of the biggest learnings that I've had is um, permission is important. And in fact, when people go through an unemployment time, well, that's the the biggest challenge they fight is they've got all this time. Mm -hmm. But we think that if I'm not spending every minute looking for a job, I'll never find the job. And then if they have an opportunity to do something fun, they feel guilty that they're not looking for a job. Mm-hmm. And if they're looking for a job and something fun is what they're missing, they're saying, well, this is crazy. Why am I missing this opportunity? Because this is the one time in my life I have some flexibility. Mm-hmm. And so it's when people get to a space and place and time where they're able to be, they give themselves permission to, to do things differently. So you have rhythms and routines, but you allow that to change and adapt with yeah. depending on what comes up. Right. What's your rhythms and routines like? So I'm still up every morning, usually by 6.30 in the morning. I'm to the gym for a workout probably three days a week. Uh, 
Some days I'll get up a little bit earlier, but I don't sleep much past that, so I want to get that being up um, and at it. Mm-hmm. I want to try and make certain that uh, every week I've got a couple of cups of coffee with people to make sure I'm staying connected with people while I have the time to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some time built in for family, for grandkids, so every week has some of the same things in them. And then they also get filled up with other things. So um, do you plan out your week like at the beginning of the week, or is it just every week you have certain dates that just, you know, they're just a weekly type of thing that stays the same? Every week there's probably some things that stay the same. Um, okay. So I, I have a Thursday morning men's Bible study. Um, I'm at the gym a couple days, and so my mornings tend to be somewhat somewhat similar. Okay. It's the end of the day and the evenings that tend to have more flexibility. Right. Well, is there any... I'll put in the show notes a link to your book and a link to your website. And then, you know, is there anything else that you would like to bring up or, or talk about here before we close? Well, this has just been fun. Thanks for the opportunity to talk. Um, my prayers are out there for anybody going through those transitions, especially those work-related transitions, because I know they're their heart. And uh, so one of the blessings I've had is people who have read the book said, boy, I'm so thankful it was there. It was helpful to me. And, mm-hmm. uh, so pr- I appreciate you putting that in the show notes, how people can get the book. Yeah. Well, thank you. And thank you for what you're doing and the care you have for those who are going through that, that transition. Yeah. Good. If you use a podcast app like iTunes, please give a review of Conversations About Life.